everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Bitch Breathe, and I am your host, Ricardia. So we're getting a little bit excited over here because I'm soon approaching my year one anniversary of Bitch Breathe. So much has changed in my life because of this podcast, and it's been such an exciting journey. I've had such incredible feedback from a lot of you guys writing to me, letting me know that certain episodes really helped you. Specifically, to be honest, they were about breakups and narcissists and actually topics that might not necessarily be considered fun, but that you felt were supportive. So thank you already for all the support and the time that you've given this podcast and indeed been listening to me. I also wanted to mention that I wrote a book. It's in its very rough first draft. It's called The Breakup Call. And as the title suggests, it's all about breakups, before the breakup, during the breakup, and the aftermath of separating from a person we love. So we have another resource for all of us who feel like we might need a little bit more support with these kinds of questions. And I'd love it if you could support the project. It's on Gumroad. I'll put the link in the show notes. But just for you to know, there is a book coming. We're going to be reading excerpts from the book. There's going to be discussion groups. And to just sort of share in this time, in these experiences that can be very trying and quite traumatizing depending on how it goes in our life. So would be happy to see you there. Today, however, we're not going to talk about breakups, but <laughs> we're going to talk about a topic that I first spoke about in my very first episode of Bitch Breathe. And that was anxiety. And if you'd like to refer back to some of the tools I suggest for those of us who experience anxiety, please go ahead and go to that very first episode. Today, I'm going to pick up on it a little bit more because so many people have been going through anxious times in this time of a pandemic, families having to deal with a lot of things that we weren't faced before and really living in unprecedented times for those of us who are younger than those who have been witnesses to wars maybe or who regionally were subjected to that kind of trauma. So today we talk about fear and anxiety, two parts. One is going to be how we can change the onset of anxiety. So when a panic attack comes, when anxiety rises up in our system, how we can maybe change what will happen next and modify maybe some of the impact that it has on our system. In the end of this episode, I'm going to talk about my own method. It's called attack. That might be a little aggressive for you, but you'll see in a moment why I called it that. But first of all, I want to come to a few sort of ideas that I have around anxiety. To be honest, it's not a total coincidence that I talk about it now, as most episodes aren't, because I've recently been through another phase, and I'm still not quite done with it, honestly, where anxiety has been a very dominant force in my life once more. And I've noticed a few things, new things about it that I felt were alternately frustrating, interesting to observe, and a lot of times a little bit scary. So that is why I wanted to return to the subject because I'm really hoping that maybe some of the thoughts I've had we've either shared, you who's listening and I who's talking to you, and that might be helpful as you go through what might be about of anxiety for you. So first and foremost, when I just recently 
went through another anxiety episode and I noticed how my thoughts started to really spiral upward and you know how it takes on this extra fast speed and you feel like you just can't throttle the um, the pace of how things are developing. Then the first thing I wanted to say once you are actually able to get into that headspace is to avoid the stories around the fact that another anxiety attack or panic attack happened and to not sort of go into this, why is this happening again? I can't believe this is happening. I thought I had this under control. I had all these stories as to why I shouldn't be experiencing this level of fear right now. The truth is and was, though, I was experiencing it. The anxiety had returned. This has been a very, very trying one and a half years, almost approaching two years now of pandemic and just regular life-related fear. So instead of going into this whole scenario of almost self-reproach where we're like, why is this happening again, is to just realize it is here. It showed up again. And yes, that's devastating when we've been okay for a while. Me, I was okay for a while, for a couple of years actually. And then it showed up again. And I thought, what the hell do I have to do for this to not even happen anymore? And we'll get to that a little bit later, but for now to just focus on not telling ourselves stories around the anxiety and its occurrence itself, to just sort of step back and say, all right, it's here again, it's trying to tell me something, and if I can just settle myself down a little bit, maybe, maybe there's a chance for me to learn something here. When a panic attack does occur though, or when you are in a phase of acute anxiety, for me, I feel really isolated. And this moment, I don't just think I should probably end my life. I don't really. It's just sort of a thought that occurs. I feel like I, I can't handle my life anymore. Clearly, I'm not the captain of this ship. Nothing is under control. I don't know what to do. And I am alone. And this thought of I am alone, I find the most devastating next to the adrenaline and the cortisol that's probably amped up in my system. But this feeling of being isolated is really quite debilitating as I'm going through the attack. What I've come to learn and what I've shamelessly taken advantage of now over and over again because I'm not willing to do this on my own anymore is that I stay with someone even overnight, whether it's my boyfriend or a girlfriend or someone who's related to me, whatever it is, I stay with them until my system has reached equilibrium once more. This can take time. So pack an overnight bag, pack a weekender, but go to that person who can accompany you through this time and don't, for the love of God, think you have to do this alone. Spend time with the people who can help you get through this. And once you are calm, once you have reached a certain balance again, and that can take any amount of time, people, there is no time limit on how long you should be feeling which way. But when you have reached that moment, maybe write down some of the tools that helped you and refer back to that list in case there is a next time. To be more specific, every anxiety phase, every panic attack 
has certain common characteristics, but then sometimes they also vary a little. And depending on my tool set, I use different ones. So meaning, sometimes it helps me to sit down and meditate. Other times that is the last thing I can do. I cannot for the life of me sit down because then my thoughts are really going to take off in a massively disruptive and scary way. So write down the tools that worked for this last time that it happened and keep that list visibly somewhere so that you can refer back to it in case there is a next time. Knowing when to get the help from others is great, like I said before, but also knowing that we have resources, that we can help ourselves is huge when we're dealing with anxiety and maybe indeed any mental health challenge. If you can consider it, if this is something you feel brave enough to do right now. And it doesn't mean you're not brave when you don't do it. I just mean we have braver moments and then we have moments when we need to retreat. That's totally fine. In any battle, if you will, there's a moment to go full force and there's one to retreat. So if you are in a place where you feel a little bit braver about your anxiety and the fact that this is something you struggle with, maybe consider talking openly to people around you about the fact that you suffer from anxiety. And I'm saying this for two reasons. For one, as you know, mental health issues are still a huge taboo area in many, many parts of the world. Some are even worse than others. For one, if we talk about it, we help to abolish this taboo around anxiety. Just because I'm a person who lives with anxiety doesn't make me crazy doesn't make me less able to work and perform and lead if those are the things required of me. What it does indeed mean is that I have an extra little struggle in my life. Everyone probably does. Mine is anxiety. So if I talk about it in an open way, then I allow others to also share in this fear, essentially. And not only by sharing do I break a taboo around mental health issues and anxiety specifically, I'm also helping people to know what to do when a panic attack strikes. So when I'm having anxiety, when I'm having a panic attack, it's great that I don't first have to call someone or pack a bag and get somewhere because maybe I've let someone in my vicinity, could even be work if you have that kind of trust relationship. I've let them know that, listen, this is something I struggle with. If you notice that it comes on, or if I tell you, listen, I'm going through this right now, this is what you can do if you would want to support me. And sometimes we can say this out by ourselves. Sometimes we want to wait until someone maybe asks, what can I do in that moment? I remember I once lived with a person who suffered from epileptic seizures. So I asked him, well, just in case it happens in my presence, what can I do? How can I help? And to just sort of know who those people at work, in our family, in our living situation are, and reach out to them if we feel we're ready to do so. One thing I noticed in one of my recent bouts of anxiety was I kept thinking to myself, I have to handle this alone. But the truth is, if I have a bellyache, do I then think I have to diagnose what's going on in my belly alone? No, I get a doctor. I go to somebody who has expertise in the field that I seek it. But for some reason, with anxiety, with other mental health issues, we think somehow we have to walk and talk our way through this by ourselves. It doesn't even have to be a taboo situation. For me, it's just like, oh, 
I don't want to bother people right now, or this is so silly, why am I getting so upset over this situation, or my reaction is in no way proportionate to what is going on, and I would sort of talk my way out of getting help. And I want to encourage all of us to not do that. Again, the idea of isolating when we most need community. So when anxiety strikes, when there's a panic attack, to know that you are not necessarily fully qualified to help you. And that's totally fine. You can't fix everything about your body. You're not a psychotherapist. You're not a doctor. You're not a surgeon. So to just see if maybe you can open up to some professional help, whatever that means to you. Could be a psychotherapist, could be a coach, Maybe it's a certain type of yoga practice. Maybe there's a yoga teacher you have a great rapport with. Whoever that professional person is, I'm not saying that they can fix you all the way, but if you have an instinctive feeling that the way they work with you could help you, then by all means, reach out to that person. Get in touch with someone who can help you, not just through this, but who might be able to set you up with a couple of more tools that could help you through a next attack, should there even be one. One thing is very difficult for me. When I'm going through something, and I'm usually labeling it drama because I feel so embarrassed or I feel so inept to deal with it, then what sometimes happens is I feel like I'm a burden. And if I reach out yet again to my partner, to my mother, to siblings, whoever it is, about my anxiety. I feel like, oh, I don't want to get on their nerves. My God, I'm such a pain in the ass. Everyone's going through so much shit right now with the pandemic. Why am I burdening them with my mental fantasies of apocalypse? You are not a burden. You are not. I'm going to say that unequivocally and without qualifications of the statement. Everybody at some point in their lives requires assistance through another. And that phase where we require that could be longer, could be shorter. And yes, it can be challenging to those around us sometimes. But the truth is, wouldn't we help them if they were going through that? Wouldn't we be willing and indeed able to help them with something they're going through? Know that you are not a burden. And if someone says or signals that you are, then that is not a good person to hang around with. I know that it can be challenging to live with someone who has anxiety. Please don't get me wrong. I know that that is difficult for people around us sometimes. All the same, if we're willing to be that space, that safe haven for them, then I think we have every right to expect of them to be around for us too. And to just draw from my own experience, that is how it has been, whether it was my boyfriend or my mom or a really good girlfriend, they always, always opened up their literal space, meaning their apartments to me, and their heart space to hold me just as long as I needed to. Related to that thought is the thought of apologies. I've often caught myself actually apologizing for my anxiety, apologizing that I'm being such a pain in the ass, and apologizing essentially for experiencing or feeling weakness. And here again, I want to make it very clear. If you feel you have to apologize to someone, then of course, first you look at, is that you who just feels so bad or embarrassed or ashamed about her or his mental health issue? Or is this person just not ready to accept the kind of situation you're going through? Whether it's one or the other, I still maintain that we should not apologize. 
Because again, would we expect someone to apologize for having a belly ache? Would we expect them to pull themselves together because they're in a lot of pain, but we also need to get shit done? No. Give at least that much empathy to yourself when you're experiencing that cold, naked fear of anxiety. I'll admit, not everybody will understand what we go through. It is hard to understand anxiety when you've never experienced it. It's hard to understand any mental or physical condition if you've never gone through it. Try to explain to somebody what it's like to be pregnant or giving birth, ouch, <laughs> or whatever it is. That's okay. They don't have to fully understand what we're going through. We don't need to expect that of them. We just need to know that they are going to be supportive in action or in word. And if they're not going to be those things, if they don't know how to be supportive, if they don't want to be supportive because you're getting on their nerves or they think that you're reacting too strongly, then those are not your people. I know that sounds scary if I'm saying that someone who might be very close to us is not our person because they can't handle our anxiety. But I'm going to ask you a question. If someone very close to you is absolutely incapable of handling your anxiety, then maybe ask yourself if your anxiety is somewhat or in parts related to this person or the kind of dynamics you have between each other and see what that answer yields. I promised you I would share with you my method that I use. I digress from this method, again referring back to my point that I made earlier, that I don't always use the same tool set to get me through a panic attack. But this is a sequence of events or steps that I take most times, not necessarily always in that order, but pretty much so. And I want to share it with you. The method, as mentioned, is called ATTACK, which is an acronym. And I'll go through it with you in these six steps. First step is A for acknowledge that this is here. So whatever we think about our anxiety, however we hate that it comes here, the moment we acknowledge or accept that it's here, we soften around it. And we've already transformed it a little bit and made it something that isn't quite as big and resistant an enemy as in the case of battling it full on and just refusing to accept that it's here. So first step, acknowledge. Second step, track your breath. T for track your breath. It means that certain breath techniques can help us through an anxiety attack. Those can vary. They vary widely for me. Sometimes it's what's called box breath, where you inhale for four, you exhale for four, and then in between those, you can hold the breath. I don't recommend holding the breath if you're going through an acute attack, but see what works for you. Other times, voiced breath works, so that you're sort of strongly inhaling in and then you're doing a shh sound out. That's not necessarily voice, but sort of a sound, a very loud sounding breath, just to sort of clear the energy, switch things around. So that was the second step. Track your breath. Third step, think of something entirely different. T as in think. For me, it often, no, it never works when I try to push the anxiety away or push the thoughts that have triggered the anxiety away. But what really works for me is substitution. And I mentioned this in actually my very first episode as well. 
So think of something entirely different. Some people say, go to your happy place. <laughs> that didn't necessarily work for me. I so often tried to imagine a beach or something. Didn't work. But I gave myself sort of an exercise. This is going to sound really stupid, and you can choose something else, but it would be like a, a, a math calculation. What is 3 times 572 divided by 5? Or what was the name of that church that I went to when I visited Rome last year? Or, you know, whatever it is for you, there's like a million examples. They're very sort of silly little exercises. It could also be that you are very visually inclined and then by all means envision the happy place. Good for you. I'm so jealous. But finding absurd or interesting picturesque places and thoughts that you can go to in your mind so you don't have to be with your anxiety in terms of thoughts. And then that will disrupt the whole upward spiral where a little thought can turn into a full-on avalanche. So that was step number three, think of something different. Step number four, act out, A as in act. And I mean by that is to seek action within your body. This could again be just loud, strong breathing. It could be voicing the sound of zzz. It could be going for a run, but just anything that will get the adrenaline to travel through the body and eventually leave it. Because as you probably know, when we experience this hypernervous energy, our adrenaline level shoots way up. And we do well to sort of move it around in the body. If you're not the kind that wants to sit down and meditate as the full-on attack occurs, maybe go for a run, go for a walk, put yourself among people in a cafe, whatever it takes, but do, literally do something. And that was step number four, act. Step number five, see for call that one person who can get you through this. So if that person isn't even right next to you, call that person, get in touch with them and stay on the phone with them or on Zoom as long as you need to until you can find balance again. And don't hesitate to call, get that support network going, get everyone on the phone and you will know you're not alone. So that was step number five, call. Last step number six, K as in keep going. I mean by that is that when these thoughts come, when we have anxiety, a lot of us, I don't often have it, but a lot of us think, my God, I think I'm dying. I'm going to be dying here now. Like something bad is going to happen. Something apocalyptically dreadful is going to happen now. Very likely that is not the case. This is not the end and you are not dying. Very likely all is as it was just two minutes ago, just before that anxiety attack happened. A new thought will have entered, yes, a new fact, a phone call, a message, something will have come through that triggered the anxiety. Sometimes it doesn't have to be anything external. Just in that moment, we get an anxiety attack and we're not even sure why. But know that everything is very likely as it was before. You just had a different thought, a different mechanism was put into place in your body, but you're safe and you're fine. And if you don't feel it that way in that moment, just keep going because eventually you know this if you've had them before, you will be. So that was my method, attack, six steps. I really hope this was helpful to you. If you struggle with anxiety, of course, 
I'm no medical representative. I can't tell you what to do or what will work for you or if your anxiety is very much related to something dire. Only you know that and only you can grab those competent people around you to help. These are just some of the things that I've experienced and that I personally have had some success with in terms of modifying the sequence of events or the thoughts that came in and coping with lifelong anxiety. I hope you're well. I hope you're not anxious as I say these words. And I'm sending lots of love.